No, that is awesome. I mean, that's, that's Easter in a, in, in a little box right there. Uh, you know, death, burial, resurrection, uh, all in the life of one person seeking after Jesus. It is amazing. This last week, I had a chance to travel with a group of students to the city of Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, it was an incredible time, and and one of the things that we got to do along the way was uh, we got to go to the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library. Now, I I don't know uh, where you are in regards to uh, JFK's politics or his policy or whatever, and and it really doesn't matter. Uh, We got to walk through... Um, all of, of, of these things that he had done or things that he had said. And, and, and I was remembering uh, uh, as I walked through one of the speeches that he gave in 1961. It was a, it was a speech uh, really about our going to the moon. It was not too long after this speech that we actually uh, we landed a man on the surface of the moon. It was really a challenge to all of the country uh, that we could do almost anything. I brought a little bit of that speech with me. Uh, I won't rehearse all of it, but there's this snippet that I want you to hear. He says, uh, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they're easy, but because they're hard. Because the goal will serve uh, to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because the challenge is one that we're willing to accept, uh, one we're unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win and the others too. And I just began to think about our, our life with Jesus. Uh, those of us who have said, uh, just like Brianna did, look, I, I have this desire to die to sin and rise again and live a new life for Christ. So that I want to follow Jesus. That all of those who have this aspiration to follow Jesus have chosen something, not that is easy, but that is hard. That we have uh, taken upon ourselves not a road uh, that is, is filled with all the good times forever, uh, but that at times uh, the calling of God on our lives is actually tough. In fact, we find that, that those of us who have fought, uh, accepted the call of Jesus to follow him uh, find that, that sometimes the road is filled with challenges. That he's going to challenge us to rise to the occasion that our lifestyle and our, and our life choices uh, might not be easy, but hard. And so that's the challenge that we uh, push all of our energy and skill toward, that we would live like those kind of people. And this morning, as we open up God's word, we find that, that Jesus uh, never seemingly backs down from the hard. That in fact, he would continue to challenge those who would want to follow him uh, towards the hard things and not necessarily the easy ones. We find ourselves in a, in a chapter of the Bible where, where Jesus is challenging his disciples to care for one another in hard ways. 
The kind of hard ways that he outlines in this particular chapter are are things like, hey, if your brother sins, I want you to go to him, and I want you to ask him to repent. And then if he doesn't, I want you to go with uh, two more people. And if he doesn't still, I want you uh, to make sure that he knows or she knows uh, that they're no longer welcome in the body of believers until such a time that they would come to be restored. Now, I don't know what that sounds like to you, but that sounds hard to me. And then it's after that, after he he outlines this sort of care that um, one Christian ought to have for another Christian, uh, he begins to outline a way in which we would care for one another, even though we have been offended, even though we have been hurt. And he begins to say, there is this need... To care for one another in our forgiveness. There is this need that we possess to be forgiven. And not only must we be the forgiven ones, we must be the forgivers. And so this morning as we we, uh, embark again on this series, Life Size Mulligans... We borrow that, uh, that term from the golfing world and we recognize, hey, we all need a second chance. And last week we came together and, and we asked the question, well, what is it that God does in the midst of our failure? And the answer that we came to uh, was that God uh, can and will fully restore us, that he will forgive us. And so now we build upon that basis that if God can and will restore us, if God can forgive us in the midst of our failures, uh, then perhaps it is for those that would follow Christ, it is their hard responsibility to be accountable to God of the universe to forgive other people. That not only must we receive life-size mulligans, but we must also give life-size mulligans. And so this morning, we We find that it is our need, it is our responsibility, Christians, that we would be about caring for one another by forgiving one another. And not only must we forgive, we must find the motive and the determination in which we do it. So will you join me, please, and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, so if you're uh, opening up your Bible, if you go to uh, maybe a third uh, of the back, toward the back, uh, first book of the New Testament, Matthew, and then go to the 18th chapter, that's where we're going to find our roots today, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, one of the things that we find is that uh, the occasion for forgiveness only comes up when we have been hurt. 
When we have had someone else in our life, whether that be a family member or a, or a spouse or a, a business colleague or, or someone has victimized us in some way, uh, we find uh, that the occasion, the need for forgiveness only arises when someone has sinned against us. So I want you to see where this this need is. Look in chapter 18, and I'm going to have you go to verse 15 because I want you to hear a line that shows up uh, twice at least in in chapter 18. Verse 15, uh, it begins like this. If your brother or sister sins against you, if your brother or sister sins against you, now here Jesus is going to outline those that piece of care where we would go to one another. Uh, But I want you to come now to verse 21, and I want you to hear that very similar line. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? How many of you have had anybody in your life sin against you? Uh, Don't show your hands, okay? They might be sitting next to you. We have all experienced someone who has hurt us, who has offended us. Uh, uh, They've sinned against us. I don't know exactly in your life what that looks like. uh, But we can all probably say at one point or another, uh, we could point to an instance or an occasion or an event in which someone else has sinned against us. You see, the need to forgive only arises because we recognize that in this fallen world that we live in, uh, there will be people in situations uh, that sin against us. Uh, They hurt us, maybe even intentionally so. Can I talk to parents and children? I, I don't just mean parents of like young children or teenage children. No, I'm talking to, to parents and children of adult or adult. How many of you are adult children? <sighs> Sometimes my mind works faster than my mouth, and my mouth, for some of you that know me, works pretty fast. Uh, now, can we talk about parent and child relationships for a minute? Has there ever been any tension between you and your parents? Have your parents ever hurt you in a way that just scarred you deeply and you think, I, I am not, no, I'm never going to be that way? And not only am I never going to be that way, uh, what you did to me hurt me so deeply that I'm not even going to really pursue a relationship with you when I'm no longer under your care. You've hurt me. You've sinned against me. And I don't really care what it is that you say to me right now. I'm not going to forgive you. I'm going to hold on to this offense and this sin uh, because you hurt me so deeply and I'm angry at you. I wonder if there are any in this room, adult children, and you have that sort of relationship of animosity with your, your parents and you're holding on to it. I wonder if there are any marriages in the room. I wonder if if your spouse has hurt you in a deep way. 
Uh, maybe for you, it, it, this was a hurt that, that led to a divorce, and you're still, uh, maybe that was years ago, but you're still holding on to that hurt. And to this day, you won't let anybody get close to you because you, you are just so consumed with how this person sinned against you. You don't want to forgive. I mean, you recognize that Jesus forgave you and all of that, but, but they hurt you so deeply. And maybe there are marriages in this room or relationships in your family uh, where there's a hurt that goes really deep. I mean, we would say maybe it cuts to the heart. And perhaps you're saying in your mind right now, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a business deal. Have you ever had one of those business deals? Once in a while, uh, we live in a farming community, so once in a while I come across the story of two farmers that, uh, that got angry with each other over the price of land or, or something that they thought was agreed upon. Have you ever heard of anything like that? You see, sometimes two farmers might come and they, they might look at a piece of ground and they might say, okay, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll figure out this lease for, or a 50-50 for that much money or a cash rent. Uh, but then at the end of the ledger sheet, if after it's been a tough year, that person that you thought you could trust uh, finds themselves to be less than trustworthy. And now not only uh, do you not like them, but everyone that you talk to uh, doesn't like them too because they have your side of the story and they're not happy with that person. And maybe it goes decades and they're all looking at that particular farmer thinking, oh, they don't have that kind of character. And I wonder if, if you, in those sorts of situations are saying to yourself, they sinned against me. They wronged me. It cost me my livelihood that year. I had to sell off some things. My family suffered because of them. They don't deserve my forgiveness. You see, the reason that we have to talk about forgiveness in the first place, isn't it, is because we recognize what the scripture is saying. What do I do? <coughs> What do I do when someone sins against me? And we find that what Jesus is going to say in this care that we would have, in this hard uh, uh, endeavor that we accept in following Jesus, is that we are responsible. We are responsible to forgive. That we have this great need to forgive. And we have the great need to forgive because we have known the forgiveness of God. Remember, it was just a week ago that we sat around probably celebrating, maybe even pumping our fists on Easter Sunday. Yes, Lord, thank you that in the midst of my failure, you have forgiven me. You have restored me. But if that's true, and we believe that it is, then the responsibility of those who would follow Christ is to accept the hard path of forgiving others. You see, we don't just receive life-size mulligans from the Father. No, we, we 
we accept also the responsibility of granting life-size mulligans to others. I want you to hear the story that Jesus tells to his disciples. Would you return with me to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21? Peter came and asked Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who, who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, some of your, your translations probably say talents, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt, canceled the debt, and let him go. But... When that very servant went out, he, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, and he grabbed him by the neck and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be, be patient with me and I'll, I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Forgiveness, forgiveness not shown is forgiveness not known. The one had received all of the grace in the entire world and, and he had a short memory. Now, some of you know this, but, but the amount of gold that this dude owed was a lot. Uh, modern calculations say it was somewhere in the neighborhood of $4.15 billion. How many of you got that? Hey, if you have that, we need to talk, okay? <laughs> $4.15 billion. I was reading through this week, and uh, there was a king. Uh, king Herod uh, was his name uh, at this very time, and he had an annual salary of about 900 talents, right? 900 bags of gold. This guy owes 10,000 bags. So you think about how long it's going to take King Herod taking his annual salary and, and not putting any toward anything that he wants, but turning it right over to this guy, uh, this master, and it's going to take him a long time. This guy is a servant. He's a lowly servant. Uh, the, the point of the parable is to see uh, that there ain't no way this guy is getting out. He is never getting out. He's never going to get to pay, ever. He's going to work to the very last moment, his very last breath. And he is not going to have enough 
to pay back what he borrowed. And all of us, aren't we? We're a little incensed with this guy. I mean, we're kind of disappointed, aren't we? I mean, we feel this emotion like, man, that guy's a real jerk. And if you feel that, then you've understood the parable that Jesus is saying. He's telling a story so that we recognize who the jerk is. Because he comes back, and a guy that owes him 4,000 bucks, he begins to choke him and throws him into jail, even after he pleads in the very same way. Here's my question. Have you been shown the forgiveness of Jesus or not? And, and be careful how you answer that question because it, it comes with a responsibility. If you are saying, sitting there right where you are this morning as I am standing here, if you are saying, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, I have recognized, I have been shown the forgiveness of God for all of my failures, for all of my wrong choices, then you have a responsibility to forgive other people. And you will be held accountable for it. If you know and you've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, there are no grounds for you to go to the other servant in your life and say, pay back what you owe me. So Christians, we recognize the responsibility, don't we? But I want you to notice what motivates us a little bit, what, what, what helps us in our determination that we might forgive. You see, I want you to see that God makes us accountable to the kind of forgiveness that we give. Now, come back to the story, uh, would you, in Matthew chapter 18? I'm going to begin in verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. And the master called the servant, You wicked servant! I canceled all of your debt because you begged me! Shouldn't you have had the mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, I know there's all sorts of scholars that come around these last words and they think, oh, God is this giant torturer. No. I think we need to get underneath the parable. I think we need to get underneath the story. What God is saying is those who have understood and experienced the forgiveness that I have granted to them, you have a heavenly and eternal accountability before God, and it doesn't get any more serious than that. 
Because if you're not the ones forgiving, then guess who the jerk in the story is? I've not always had the greatest relationship with my mom and dad. But this last Christmas, my parents, they sat right over here in pew number two. That's what I call it, pew number two. And my dad got to hear me preach for the very first time. It was really a moving moment for me. We've had our ups and downs. We've had our clashes. I... I, I, I remember a time in college, I, uh, I was living with some other guys at the time. This is before Jolyn and I were married, and there was an answering machine message. And, and I don't remember all of the message, but I do remember my dad having called, and there was some, uh, to say the least, there had been some uh, friction, some tension. And I remember my dad telling me something to the effect of, well, Mike, it's been nice knowing you. I hope you have a really great life. Now, I don't do that to shame my parents or myself. I do it to say I recognize in my own life, in close relationships that I have with others, that I have to forgive. You see, my my parents didn't come to our wedding, and we have hurt each other over the years. I've hurt them intentionally because I wanted to show them something. And in order to, to get at me, they would do things in return. Now again, I don't want you to think of me or my parents as bad people, but I want to tell you what we've done. And it wasn't easy. I recognize that many of you will still bear the scars of things that people have done to you. You've been sinned against. But if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you're accountable to the sort of forgiveness that you offer to others. And this parable, as I read through it, I go, oh boy, am I going to be the jerk? And so I have to open up my Bible and I actually have to try and live it out. I told you my parents were here for Christmas and it was great to have them. Can I tell tell you that? They were here all week. They enjoyed our kids. We actually enjoyed spending time together. Are we there yet? I don't know that we are. We're still working on it. But can I tell you that we've expressed our words of forgiveness to one another? Do we still bear some of the scars of the hurts that we've caused one another? Yes. This last week, my parents drive a truck all over the country, and I was texting back and forth with mom, and I just said, hey, I just want you to know that I really love you, and I want you to make sure that you know that all is forgiven. What kind of text messages, what kind of phone calls do you need to make this week? Is it to your mom and dad? Is it to a child? Is it a serious conversation that's going to happen inside of your own home or with a sibling or or with a relative that hurt you deeply? 
Is it going to happen because uh, you had a business deal and it all went wrong and you're so mad about it, even still, and, and right now you're thinking of ways that you can justify not forgiving, and yet you know that you're accountable to forgiveness and you need to grant a life-size mulligan. Maybe you've been victimized in some way, and, and, and this week is the week where you come around and you say, you know, Lord, I recognize that you have shown me forgiveness, and forgiveness shown is forgiveness known, and I'm going to let somebody else know the forgiveness that you have offered. Christians, can I tell you something? When we, we choose to follow Jesus, it's not something that is always easy but sometimes we choose what is hard because we're following Jesus. Pray with me, would you? Gracious God, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We recognize this morning the overwhelming goodness and grace that you have shown to us. And so, Father, I pray that in our heart of hearts, we will be about forgiving others. Lord, we love you. And we desire to serve you. And Lord, I pray that this morning that would demonstrate itself in real-time forgiveness, life-size mulligans that we're willing to give to others. We love you. Lord, you're so good. Convict us through your spirit. In Jesus' holy name, amen.